We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, alcohol. Oh, see, I already messed up. (laughs) I said alcohol. Welcome to episode 122 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod. I've only been doing this 122 episodes. I don't know why it's hard. Um, this is a Marissa Meyer book club podcast where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. This episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Please welcome back Morgan, a.k.a. Love Lee Reading on Bookstagram. Hi. I, I feel like it's been a while since you've been on an episode. Is that right? Um. No, it hasn't been that long because we did that episode where the three of us um, were talking about Ferrist. Yes. Okay. So it hasn't been too long. No, it hasn't. It hasn't been too long. Yeah. But it's always fun when we get to get to chat and catch up. It is. So how how are you doing since uh, everything that's been going on with you? Um, I'm just dealing with the constant, uh, discomfort. So, um, doctors, again, the doctors still don't know what's going on. Um, they did find a unrelated tumor on my ovary, which was benign, thankfully. Um, but we still got to figure out what else is going on with me. So, um, still have a lot more doctors, doctors visits coming up, but The bookstagram community has been like super kind and supportive. So I'm really grateful as your friend, like I'm grateful for that kind of support out there. Oh yeah, definitely. Everyone has been super kind and I've had a bunch of people, I've had a bunch of people reach out um, and check in on me. And and that's been, that's been really nice to have. Um, But also having that understanding, like, no, I don't have the energy to constantly post to my bookstagram, but I still have those people who like, right. You can't I, do giveaways anytime soon, but you know, yeah. yeah, that's when I get a lot where people are like, why don't you do monthly giveaways? Like, <clears throat> like happy writer podcast. And I'm like, because uh, Marissa Meyer is worth like $8 million and I'm worth like eight. So <laughs> as much, as much as I would love to give stuff away, I, I don't have anything to give away. Um, yeah. Except my time, which I give to the podcast pretty freely. So mm-hmm. I, maybe when I get a job and, and stuff, I'll do more, but at the moment, uh, I just don't have anything, unfortunately. Yeah, no. And it's like, you're so busy all the time like I know I hate it even right now I'm crocheting a blanket (laughs) yeah of course you are my friend Caitlin's birthday is this evening I'm not done with it yet so oh geez I still have like 15 rows so that's what I'm gonna be doing all day well so multitasking this this week has been a little crazy because if you follow my Instagram you know that I finished my first draft Yes. And I'm actually about 
70% of the way done with my second draft and I already have ideas for my third draft and I'm still on my critique partners. Like I haven't even started beta reader, reader, bleh. I haven't even started beta readers. My husband hasn't read it. You haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just with critique partners right now. That's the only people who've read it. So <laughs> yeah. I'm still in the very early stages of like uh, just getting everything exactly the way I want it. They recommend that for contemporary novels, you keep it under like 75,000 words. And um, a summer camp full of people is really hard to have any kind of character growth or development. (laughs) So I ended up like saying, you know what, if I don't have a word count, I can have actual characters that don't have like one level dimensions. So I scrapped the idea of a word count. I've already added like 30,000 words to my first draft. So it's basically oh, nice. the first draft was an outline at this point, And now I'm going to have just a ton more. <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. I'm so excited for you. And when I think it's good enough, you'll, you can read it. <laughs> I can't wait. But yeah, that's kept me, that's kept me pretty busy this week. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely been days where Quentin's had to come in and be like, Hey, so are you, planning on eating today or showering or I was like no not really I was just working <laughs> he's such a good bean right he is he is a good bean so I do have an email that I'm going to read um that I don't get emails as much as I like. And this last month, I think I've gotten two, which is very exciting um, because Woo-hoo. that's two more than I've gotten in the last like year. So, <laughs> oh damn. well, I just don't get them very often for, for one mm-hmm. reason or another. Like people just don't um, send me emails, <laughs> uh-huh. even though I'm constantly like, send me an email. <laughs> Nobody worries about it. <laughs> So it says, hi, Bethany and all of the podcast listeners. If you read this out loud, which I doubt you will, because you already have a lot of things to do. So you're most likely not even going to read this at all. But if you do read this on the podcast, that would make me so happy. I will, I will always make time for my podcast listeners, Ella. So yes, I will read it. I am reading it right now. (laughs) I'm 13 and I love your podcast and the Lunar Chronicles. I named my fish, Fish Kai. which is adorable instead of prince kai it's fish kai get it because he's a fish i really want to join the patreon um and i want to give you more than just a dollar but i don't think i have enough money to do more um pause real quick if you want to join patreon that's legit that's cool i totally love it and appreciate it but don't feel like you have to um the podcast is going to be here no matter what and it's going to be free no matter what um so yeah i don't i don't ever want people to feel like obligated (laughs) my two most favorite parts of the books are chapters 60 of Cress and chapter four of winter i heard that you got hot british boyfriend and i've been waiting to read it for so long but my library doesn't have it um i just finished it a couple weeks ago and it was adorable (laughs) i currently have six books out from the library so it's not like i could take out too many more right now anyways it makes me so happy that other people love marissa meyer as much as me i'm reading it to two of my best friends over facetime a few times a few times a week which i think is adorable thank you for reading this email and i hope you can i hope i can join patreon really soon because i want to help support the podcast and it sounds super fun have a nice day ella 
Oh, that's so sweet. So first of all, yeah, if you send me an email, unless you tell me not to, I'm going to read it. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure you keep that in there. Um, Second of all, Ella is the name of my best friend Amy's daughter. So I feel like we're already kindred spirits. (laughs) I love Fish Kai, I think. (laughs) I think that is so adorable and cheesy and corny and so something I would do. Like, I love that so much. That's adorable. Yeah. And I definitely recommend Hot British Boyfriend. I thought it was adorable. It was such a such a cute and sweet little book. And um, Ella, the main character's name in Hot British Boyfriend is Elle or Ellie. Oh. So. Oh, yeah. More fuel to go read it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So let's talk about what you're reading right now. So. With all of my fun medical stuff going on, um, the only thing that I have the energy for right now is romance. Oh, love it. Yeah, so I have been on another historical romance kick. Um, And so the one I just finished, and I love when they have these punny names. Um, The one I just finished is A Good Duke is Hard to Find. <laughs> and I want to say I love that. I want to say the one that I'm reading right now is um Oh, what is it? It is Someday my duke will come. No, the third one. But yeah, I know like they're so like the names are so punny and I love it. Yeah, it's Someday Someday my duke will come is the one I'm reading right now. I just started it. I don't really know much about it. Um, But I got an arc for, or I got arcs for this series from NetGalley. So I believe for the first three books. So I just finished the first one, I'm on to the second one, and then I'll hopefully get to the third one. I'm trying to... That's exciting. Yeah, I'm trying to get my NetGalley percentage at a lot better because like it's suggested that you keep it about 80% and I'm at like... 45%. 45%. Oh, mine's 100%, but I've only gotten like five copies of things. So, yeah. <laughs> I will say that at least twice a week, maybe I should just make an announcement because at least twice a week I get people who email me and are like, hey, did you finish reading Gilded yet? Guys, I don't have Gilded. It doesn't come out until November 2nd. So, no. Mm-hmm. I haven't finished reading it because I haven't started reading it because it doesn't come out until November 2nd. But I think there's like a misconception that because my podcast is about her books, Marissa and I are like besties and yeah. that would be super cool. Um, but it's, it's genuinely guys, it's not the case. <laughs> she's super supportive of the podcast and she's like the sweetest person. Um, but I don't get like special treatment or anything. So if you got a copy of Gilded, I'm super happy for you, but please don't email me and spoil it. Just know that I I legit have not read anything except the prologue that was posted. So (laughs) I get emails and people are like, what did you think of this scene? And I'm like, guys, I haven't read it. You're spoiling things. (laughs) And they're like, you haven't read it? And I'm like, no, it doesn't come out until November 2nd. Like, so I will read it November 2nd, like everybody else. (laughs) Oh my gosh. 
I think it's amazing how many ARC copies there are out there because I've seen a lot on Instagram. So I'm really excited for like all those people that got to to read it early and um, have uh, have had that opportunity. But unfortunately, guys, unfortunately, I'm not one of them. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad because they're always like, why not? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, guys. It just didn't work out that way. <laughs> and just, I mean, that's so, that's okay. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with not getting a copy early. I'm more than happy to wait until November 2nd. Like, I don't mind at all. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a good book all... to wait for, <laughs> I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And we're, I mean, we're all super excited for it. It's going to mm-hmm. be like, and especially, like, if you have to wait like the rest of us, then that's just going to be even more of an experience because, you know, we're all going to be reading it at the exact same time. I know. <laughs> I thought maybe we could do, like, a Patreon book club for it. Oh, that would be so fun. Right? Like, we can, I'm sure, like... I'm sure the others would be down, but we could probably wait. Oh. No, I don't want to say because, like... It's either that or I'm going to do a Patreon bonus episode of, like, the whole book. Although, I, I maybe I won't because when Instant Karma came out, I got, like, 10 emails to go on different podcasts and talk about Instant Karma with them. So maybe I wouldn't do a bonus episode. I would just, like, tell people to go find those other podcasts. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. Like, that seems like way too much work before you get to the actual episode or like the actual book like I mean we know it's a long way coming but yeah and I'm really I honestly I really am excited about it because I I love Marissa I think her work is amazing or I wouldn't have a podcast about it so um Mm -hmm. honestly I'm, I'm looking forward to experiencing a new series with her just like everybody else and I love all the reviews that I'm seeing because they all seem really excited and positive um, oh, good. Just, just don't, uh, if you are going to email me about it and tell me that you love the book, that's fine. Just no more emails with like spoilers. <laughs> I haven't read it. So, oh, no. um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. it's awkward. Cause I feel bad, but at the same time, I'm like, I've gotten, I'm looking at my emails right now. I've gotten 11 spoilers already because people thought I had read it. So no. yeah. So just that's the only reason I'm even saying anything is because like that's a lot of spoilers already and I just don't I don't want to be rude but like at the same time I don't want to spoil the book (laughs) yeah no so either you would have to just completely ignore your email which isn't really plausible right because there's other emails in there too (laughs) yeah exactly Mm. But if you did get an advanced reader copy of Gilded, sincerely, I'm very happy for you because um, I think that advanced reader copies are gifts entrusted to certain people. So um, I think that that's, that's an honor that you got it. And I'm so glad that you love it because I'm sure I'll love it too. Um, and when I do read it, feel free to email again, like November 5th or something, and we can actually talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some Fan Art Friday. Oh my gosh, these are gorgeous. (laughs) So Cosmic Nova Flare uh, did both of these. And Mm -hmm. 
I just, the first one, I know it's just them, like, it's just like Sunder and Kai hugging, but they say goodbye in this, in this week's episode. So I wanted to have like a cute send off moment for them because we don't know when we're going to see them together again, or if we even will. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a YA book, so we can make certain predictions, but we are yeah. spoiler free. So yeah, but it's, it's really sweet. I love that her metal hand is like on full display. I love how happy Kai looks and that his face is like, he's like blushing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm, I love it. They're adorable. They are. And uh, is that peony flowers in the background? Oh my gosh. Is it? I think oh, it, it is. It is peony. Yeah. So oh my gosh. another touching moment where we get to remember, um, her sister, her oh, sweet that's so little sweet. sister, which reminds me, um, we just got back from a very long trip to Illinois. Okay, it wasn't that long; it was like six days, but the drive is long. Um, and Quentin finished Cress and Ferris, and we got to like chapter thirteen of Winter. So he's Woo-hoo. making progress. He's he thinks Everett is an amazing hero. He said that's his favorite character now, even yeah. more than Torin. Really? Yep. <laughs> no, I can definitely, I can definitely see him like appreciating Everett, um, yeah. especially for like his loyalty and his dedication and, to his and, family, and, and to the to the because they're both like military people and things like that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And like Ferris was really hard for him. Like even I even told him I'm like. You, you know, we can skip that one if you want to, because it's just kind of really dark. And he was like, okay. And then so we get we're like halfway through the book. And he was like, dude, I was like, I told you I don't like I gave fair warning. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's... we touch on dark subjects in every book in this series, I think. But what sets mm-hmm. fairest apart is that there's nothing lighthearted in the middle to break it up. So you don't get a chapter or two of horror and then something cute. Like all of Ferris is just like, it starts out with a really sad, lonely girl at a funeral and it just doesn't get better from there. No. So, but we have uh, winter as the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. And now that we're starting winter, we have so much to look forward to. Mm -hmm. So this next uh, fan art is also from, Cosmic Nova Flare, and I've been holding on to it for a while. I want to say I've had it for like a year, mm-hmm. like a year, year and a half. And it's the medallion that uh, Iko gives to Kai in this chapter. The the medallion to remind him of his Rampian crew days. And that is so, that was so sweet. Like, you're always a part of us and like... That was just super, super sweet. And like it, I, I don't even have the words to express. Like I love, I love the Rampian crew so much. Like I love their, their care for each other. Like how much they do care about each other and how much like of a little family that they are. Like mm-hmm. It's just so sweet. That, that whole concept of, like, found family. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, big thank you to Cosmic Nova Flare for sharing those. And you can find more of her artwork on Instagram. Last week, we, Patreon members, voted for chapter titles. 
Chapter eight is Secret Love Song by Little Mix, which is one of my absolute favorite songs in the entire universe. It's also a very sad song. Um, and I cry a lot when I listen to it, but I think the lyrics are, I don't know, just gut wrenching, but like you can really empathize. And that's always, uh, that's always going to be something that I think, uh, sets, sets different songs apart. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a tie. I don't know if it's still a tie, I guess, because we were, we're recording this like two weeks late, but there was a tie, <laughs> um, for just friends by Jason Reeves and can't take my eyes off of you by Frankie Valley. Um, so I'm just going to put both of them on this, on the playlist. Nice. Yeah. So chapter discussion. There's actually really, there's not a lot that happens in these two chapters, but um, Mm -mm. that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. So (laughs) last week we left off. Jason became a part of Winter's Guard. Um, Cress was trying to look after Wolf because she's adorable. And we Mm -hmm. ended the chapter with the new Beijing palace under attack. And now the Rampian crew is watching the news feed of the attack on the palace Um, There's garden smoking and statues that are toppled over. The gate is torn to shreds, but the palace itself has remained fairly untouched. The military has actually managed to keep them at bay, which I think is insanely impressive with everything we've learned about these wolf soldiers. Definitely. And we also have like the knowledge that the, the military isn't like, you thinking like if you're considering like the u.s military it's not because they've been in such peaceful times that Mm -hmm. it's basically like a volunteer social service yeah she says they're like decorated Mm -hmm. um decorated social service workers that like help out when there's a an emergency disaster like a, a hurricane or tornado or something like they don't really do a whole lot of fighting drills anymore yeah yeah, so it's incredibly impressive that they were able to, like, keep the stronghold for um, protecting the palace and protecting those in the palace. And I'm sure many of them died in the process. So, which mm-hmm. if you join a military in a time of peace, you might not think that that's a likelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, like, well, you and I are are about the same age. So you might remember this, but after nine 11, there was like a huge insurgence of people who joined the military, like just massive, colossal, huge surge. Yeah. Um, the military is actually only like, there's like, I think it's literally Ashley said like 1% of the population is willing to join the military um, because it is a tough job and it is a huge sacrifice. But mm-hmm. uh, when there's times of, struggle people's patriotism and their their honor and loyalty and pride in their home country um comes comes out a little bit more and cinder even says that there's a lot of young kids in line ready to serve the military serve their planet protect their planet from Lavana mm-hmm. and her wolf soldiers and it just reminded me of that that huge surgeons we had after 9-11 where tons of young people were joining the service yeah. people who were already in the service who were thinking about getting out were like nope I'm gonna stay now I want to do my part 
Um, yeah. And that, that happens a lot. You know, that's part of the, one of the reasons they got rid of the draft is because if you have enough patriotism, it's not as needed anymore. Yeah. Which is like good and bad at the same time. Cause you know, these are kids. Yeah. Like Quentin didn't go into the service until he was 24 years old. Really? Mm-hmm. Most people join at like 18, but he put a lot of thought into like which branch he wanted to join. If he really wanted to be a part of the military at all, things like that. Um, because Quentin is in the Air Force, so, mm-hmm. and he's a software developer, like, yeah. he's not on the ground standing in front of people, you know? That doesn't mean that what he does isn't important or scary. It just means that, you know, that's not the position that he's in. Yeah. And um, most people join at, at 18. Ashley was 18. She she signed up, like, on her 18th birthday. And she had, she had planned to go into the military, like her whole life. That was her, her goal. Did she have family? Yep. Her dad was in the military, her grandfather. Like it was just this, like men and her family have always been in the military. And so she was like, well, I'm going to do that too. All right. Right. And so, I mean, there's different reasons for people to join, but I just wanted to point out like a, a realistic parallel that I thought of when, when she mentioned all these young kids ready and signing up for war reminded me of nine 11. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And I'm not sure the numbers on it. I'm sure I could find them, but I'm not going to, but I just wanted to point out that when there is a, a, an attack like that, um, you do get, you do get people's patriotism kind of um, peaked even if they don't realize it was there before. Mm -hmm. The main message that is coming in loud and clear from this attack is that no one is safe. No one, not even the palace. Mm -hmm. Um, Which again reminds me of, of nine 11 because um, there have been very few attacks on American soil. Yeah. And there's only been two wars fought on American soil between the American armies uh, or military. And that was the revolution and the civil war. The rest Mm -hmm. of it has been American soldiers going to various locations um, on the other side of the the globe. So uh, it's another sort of parallel because it was like that for um, Pearl Harbor was a big one because we weren't even a part of the war at the time. So no one was expecting Pearl Harbor to get bombed. And then nine 11 came out of nowhere. If, if I, if I look back in my memory, uh-huh. I remember the first plane attack on uh-huh. the news. They thought it was a young pilot who had lost control of the plane. It took them yeah. hours to know who was behind the attacks and who was responsible. And even then, it took them years to find out the actual people who were involved because there was a lot of misinformation floating around. Oh, yeah. But that's terrifying when you think that you're in a safe location, when you think that you're that you're in a world that's safe because they're at, they're at peace. Mm-hmm. And they've been at peace for 126 years. What is that? Three generations? Four? Yeah. The entire concept of war has become obsolete at that point. It's like an antiquated practice. Yeah. And I'm sure they have, because we've seen, like, we've seen France and we've seen, like, 
from Scarlet, like the remnants of basically the abandoned sections of France that were abandoned after the, after the war. So they have, they have like evidence of war, but they don't have any like current concept of it. So all they really have would be history books at this time. I would also say that like, it's not a, uh, it's not a living memory. Mm-hmm. You have historical evidence, you have physical evidence that you can see with your own eyes, but it's not a living memory that anyone on the planet has. Yep. 126 years is too long. Yeah. So there's not a single person on planet Earth who has a living memory of what it's like to be at war. And I think that that is is the biggest takeaway we should get from this chapter is the colossal amount of fear and unpreparedness and just sheer chaos that that would result in when you're met with war at your doorstep. Yeah. And that's, that's basically what we're learning as we go through the books, but especially now. Mm -hmm. So more than 300 Eastern Commonwealth soldiers have died and only 50 lunars. Mm -hmm. We have a moment where Aiko says that she feels useless, which Mm-hmm. is done so well in the audiobooks, the tone of voice that Rebecca Solaire, I, I know I've said it like a million times, but if you can get your hands on the audiobooks, they're amazing. But yeah. Rebecca Solaire does different voices for each character so that we as the reader know who's talking. And Aiko's voice is always chipper, upbeat, energetic. And this sentence in the audiobooks, she uses a very somber tone. And I think when you're listening to it, it, it kind of kind of gets you in the feels because it's even even Iko's light is diminished. Yeah. And like that, that also puts her like we we know she's not a normal android, but like she feels sorrow and she feels like the use she feels useless, which is. They say that's a normal that's a normal thing for androids is they don't want to feel useless. They want to. Um, they were built with a purpose. Yeah, exactly. Like it's part of it's part of their programming. Exactly, and that goes back to to um, Isaac Asimov, who's considered the father of science fiction, depending on which literary person you talk to. Um, and he was kind of the the man behind the myth, so to speak, when it came to robots. Now they're pretty common, but at the mm-hmm. time it was a robot. Okay, that's that's definitely science fiction because it's so unlikely that would ever happen. Yeah, uh, they're becoming more and more of a reality. And uh, an Ico like android, or even a Nancy like android, is not that far off. Yeah. So which brings me like I've always had like an innate fear of Terminator like <laughs> I've actually oh. never seen the Terminator movies <laughs> I don't know why like I just it's it's just the opportunity hasn't come I guess because it's, it's not like I've intentionally avoided them it just hasn't happened yeah I don't know that it would be a good movie for you to watch anyway like <laughs> I know I know there are definitely like, I don't remember, honestly, I don't know if I've seen the first one, but I know I've seen the second one quite a few times. And like, I can think of multiple scenes in that that would probably set you off. So 
probably best to just avoid it. (laughs) I know the basic concept is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a cyborg that goes back in time and destroys stuff. Yep. Yeah. That's like the gist, right? So. (laughs) Basically. So. um, But back to this android. Um, She, like she wants to be able to do something and she, she can't right now. And it just, it's so sad. And then you see like on the next part, like Cinder is kind trying to comfort Kai. And I feel like there's a connection between Kai and Aiko in this, in this part, because he was raised for a purpose. Like he has been raised since birth to be the emperor one day to like, take care of his people. So like, I feel like there's a connection between them both feeling useless right now because of what's been ingrained in them to like be helpful and like to do what they can for their people. And like, uh, I would also say there's like a, a a small particle of that uselessness that extends to Cinder because she also feels useless in her attempts to, comfort Kai or reinstill um her crew like the the Rampian crew is is scared and nervous and so is she and she's struggling to find a way to comfort them and let them and reassure them um Mm -hmm. and so I think that uselessness you you know we could find a way for it to fit almost everyone in this scene like uh Wolf definitely feels useless at all times because his sole goal in life for the last like three months, basically since he met her has been to protect Scarlet, which he was incapable of doing. And so now his entire uh, existence is, I just want to get her back and he's not able to do that. And he's got very little control over even how to do that. It's all in the hands of Cinder and Thorn. Uh, Thorn in terms of piloting the ship and Cinder in terms of finding a way to get them to Luna safely and discreetly. So Mm -hmm. I think Wolf also feels a sense of uselessness because he wants to rescue Scarlet, but he has no control over how to do that or even when. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all sad. Yeah. And they like Cinder just like looking at the entire crew and like the horror and determination of her crew, like, and this also is, unfortunately, I feel like the push to action that they needed because Cinder, I think so, yeah, she was very hesitant prior to, to this incident. Yeah. And I feel like this is one of those situations where you want every, you want to find that perfect moment. Like you feel like I'm going to know when is the right moment. And it's, there's never a right moment. You just have to take that step forward. Right. Um, and so like, this is that push, unfortunately that she needed to finally say, okay, let's go. Um, yeah. Ah. yeah. And it's, it's good that she finally says, let's go. But even that, you know, that takes a, a little bit of coaxing from her crew. And I do yeah. want to point out, I love that Marissa included a radical political group, the Association for Commonwealth Security, mm-hmm. because it feels like a very realistic response to the emperor is not here and we're getting attacked. Yeah. Um, at least, at least 
like I said, I lived, I was alive during 9-11. And I remember the response that the the presidency, uh, which was George W. Bush at the time, um, I remember the response that was given. Or, or if you're, we're not political on this podcast and we won't be. But if you're paying attention to the news right now, there's quite a big reaction to the current president's decision. Um, well, actually, President Obama, President Trump, and President Biden have all been a part of the process of removing troops from Afghanistan, which has had colossal repercussions for both sides. And um, there's a, a big di- division between the you know the people that support removing the troops and the people who don't. And I think this is a good example of how that can happen in any country, even ones that have 126 years of peace. When, when people are fearful and, and their future is unclear, you're going to have reactions like this because people want to feel protected. They want to feel like they have some kind of power and control over their future and the, Uh the safety of themselves and their loved ones. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely did feel, feel like a real thing that that, that would happen. Um, and, but. and like you said, with having to, with Cinder needing like an extra push, I think that was the biggest one because yeah. up until that she was very, she was still hesitant to, she was still making arguments as to why. And, um, but that was a big one because she was like, Kai was a great leader. Kai is a great leader. This is his home. Like, how could they do this? Like, that was one of the big kickers for her that that sort of got her into gear. Yeah. Well, and like, she's always been with the mindset, like, he's going to have like his ruling to go back to when he gets home. But mm-hmm. hearing them call for his abdication, it's like, oh, wait, crap. I didn't like, I didn't account for this. (laughs) Well, and, and unless she was very familiar with history, she wouldn't have any idea that there, that such a thing would exist. Because as we said, um, there's been, there's been no, there's been no issues of war for them. Uh Mostly this chapter is, uh, there's an attack on the palace and Kai home. Yeah. Yeah. I do think though, like, the queen is either overconfident or getting desperate. That's important. That's a, an interesting concept to take into consideration. I would say, um, I, I wonder if it's actually a mixture of both. Yeah. Like I'm sure like she wants to exude that confidence and wants to have people like believe that she's confident in everything that she does. Um, but I also feel like there is that fear behind it because now we have a better understanding of her as a person because we've read Ferris and like, we mm-hmm. know, we know like deep down inside, she's still a scared little girl. Like, calculated. She, yeah. Like I, I feel, I feel like she's getting, she's getting desperate and wanting to make it look like confidence. I would also say that she's confident in the ability of her wolf and soldiers to cause chaos, destruction, and um, fear on earth, which they've done, mm-hmm. but releasing them is the act of a desperate woman. Yes. 
so it is a little bit of both because she's very confident in the abilities of her wolf and soldiers and she has every right to be, um, but she's desperate to make it known how much mm-hmm. power she has over earth and how much earth needs her and Luna and what they have to offer. And so she's desperate to, to get Cinder, to get her hands on Cinder, to get her hands on Earth, to get her hands on Kai. And in order to do that, she has to have the confidence and the ability of her soldiers and leave it in their hands. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. So, it's a, yeah, so I, I would say it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, but that's, that's kind of the it of the chapter. Aiko realizes that they are considered terrorists. Duh. Yeah. But also, like, I get that we don't see them that way, but but it is impossible for him to lead in the hands of terrorists. Um, Cinder blames herself for the whole situation. Also, I get that. And mm-hmm. she finally relents and accepts that it's time to send Kai home. Yeah. And I do like that it... Um, it mentions at one point, like in watching the, the attack on the palace, like she laments that she's never had a home that she cares about. Cinder hasn't like, like she had, she she, she had, she had Peony and she had Aiko, but like, she doesn't know like a home. Like this is Kai's, this is Kai's home that is under attack. It's not just the palace. This is where like, he grew up. This is where he would be expected to be for the rest of his life. Like where he has all the memories of like his childhood, his mother who's dead, his father who's dead. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and like, she, she may not have found a home, like she doesn't have like a home home, but she has like her found family that she has. And, and so, in a way that is a type of home. Exactly. Cause we move around a lot. So, Mm -hmm. and my parents don't live in the house that I grew up in. Actually, the house I grew up in was just demolished a couple, uh, like six or seven months ago. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, that was a bit rough on me. (laughs) I don't know why it upset me so much that a couple pieces of cardboard got destroyed, but I was really upset by it. Um, So, like, I don't have that concept of, like, what a home kind of looks or feels like, I guess. But, like, I have, and I think I've talked about this before, I have, like, the smell of home. Mm-hmm. like the the smell of my mom's house it hasn't changed no matter where she lives mm-hmm. so there's that and then Quentin and I move all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> way too much um but I get that sense of home because I still have like my my belongings are the same yes but also like I have Scamp I have Beowulf I have Quentin to come home to and that hasn't changed no matter the location of the home yeah so let's talk about your chapter titles for this one. Okay, I have to check my notes because I don't remember. Because <laughs> um, it was like five weeks ago. <laughs> yes. For for listeners, this episode is cursed. Because <laughs> it was this even is cursed like, this morning. <laughs> it was. Like this is our like fourth or fifth attempt at yeah. recording this episode. It's been weeks. And we're fi- we're finally getting it done. But I this think is the first time we tried to record this was a month ago. Yeah, and like, <laughs> just so you guys get an idea of like how prepared Bethany likes to be, like tries to get it so ahead of time <laughs> that we have, like, we have been struggling to get this episode done. 
So, and yet me... it still won't come out for another two weeks. <laughs> yes, that's fine. This is fine. Uh, that's funny. Okay, so my chapter titles. So I picked two because the last time I picked one, and then I misread your message. So I've made sure to pick two from now on. Oh, you don't um, have to pick two; just one for each chapter. I know, but I'm going to do two. So oh, okay. I did. Two, I did two for both of these. Okay. Um, because I don't like. Because I don't know, like, what songs have already been picked. Oh, so you want a backup. I want a backup. So I yes. picked two. Okay. And so, so my songs are Here by Alyssa Cara. And um, mainly it is for that line for, like, what am I doing here? Like, like they're, they're in space. Like, they're they're taking their time. Like, what, what am I doing here? Like, okay, I or no, I think this was, this must have been about Kai. Like, what am I doing here? Like, I need to be on earth. Like I need to be, I need to be helping. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that one. And then um, my second one is there's nothing holding me back by Sean Mendez. Love that um, song. Yes. I love, I love Sean Mendez so much. Um, <laughs> but this one, this one was for, for Cinder basically it's time there's no more excuses Mm -hmm. there there's nothing holding me back there's nothing holding us back it's time so those are those were my two songs those are good ones so what did I pick I picked um keep your eyes open by Taylor Swift which was um a song that she wrote for the Hunger Games Mm -hmm. um and it's about going to war. And so I was thinking of that in terms of like the young soldiers that were running away to war. Um, But some of the lyrics that I think stand out to me is the tricky thing is yesterday we were just children playing soldiers, just pretending Um, because a lot of those kids that are running up to join the war are like 18. And that is, I, I know for some of you, because you're only like 13 or 14 years old, that's fine. I know 18 is like the magic number of, of done and I get to be an adult. And so it might not seem that that young. Um, but think about it in terms of context. An 18-year-old has not even been on the planet for two decades. Yeah, like I... That's a really small amount of time to be alive. I have now been on the planet for 30 years and I do not feel like a full-fledged adult. So like, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> like, I'm like all the time. I'll make a comment of like, I need to talk to a grown up, and Quentin's like, you know, you're 31, right? And I'm like, okay, but I need like a more grown up, grown up than me, like <laughs> a, a, a grown up year, grown up. <laughs> yes, but you know, you know what? My mom, um, little side fact, my mom had me as a teenager, so she only she's only like 50 years old, so she's she's still very young herself, but she's constantly like, I don't have my together I don't know what to do and I'm like okay I'm not alone that's good that's good (laughs) like you think like as a child like you see an adult and you're like oh they've got it made like I can't wait till I'm an adult Mm, no I remember being young and feeling that way like I remember because I got my first apartment at like 17 16 years old so like I remember being young and you know, having those moments of like, oh, I can't wait till I'm just on my own. Um, but you're going to get to a point when you finally are on your own where you're also like, man. <laughs> exactly. There's a song, like, 
uh, there's a song by Taylor Swift, of course, right? Called Never Grow Up. And it's about that. It's about like getting your first apartment and moving away from home and being like, yes, I'm an adult. And then like you're alone in your apartment the first night by yourself. And it's just like, oh my God, I'm an adult. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I feel that. I feel that. Right. Um, and so the next one I picked was Young Volcanoes by Fall Out Boy. Um, so Fall Out Boy is my favorite band, and obviously Taylor Swift is my favorite artist. Um, and the 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 reason why is the same. Lyrics. Yeah. I'm big on lyrics. I love lyrics, um, which Fall Out Boy is famous for, and so is Taylor Swift. And Fall Out Boy, the song Young Volcanoes, is about protecting your home when it's been invaded and torn to shreds. Mm-hmm. So I just couldn't think of a better one. When Rome is in ruins, we are the lions free of the Colosseums. In poison places, we are anti-venom. We're the beginning of the end. Tonight, the foxes hunt the hounds. It's all over now. Before it has begun, we've already won. Uh, sometimes you have to take the power back into your own hands. Mm-hmm. So when they're, when Rome is in ruins, when your home is being attacked... What else are you going to do? Yeah. And that's that's where that song, that's why I thought of that song uh, after reading this chapter. So let's talk about your chapter quote. Okay, so I have it pulled up on my ebook and it says it's on page 101, but I feel like that's a lie. In my book, Um, it's on page 88. Okay. So we're going to go with it's on page 88. So uh, my quote was... It was after, like, Aiko expresses that she feels useless. So Aiko by no means was a typical android, but she still managed to harbor one distinguishable trait all androids had been programmed with, the need to be useful. Mm-hmm. So again, like, I feel like everyone in the crew, like, has this feeling of uselessness. Like, they want they want to be doing something, Um and like it's it's on a different level for Aiko because she isn't she isn't a human like she has yes yeah, she has she has emotions but she also has like her android programming that she still like has to follow along with sometimes so yeah. like on top of on top of the sorrow that she's feeling she's also has like this programmed feeling of like not wanting to be useless. So I just thought that was, that was really, I don't know. It was really emotional for me. (laughs) And it's a, that's part of why my quote was also emotional. Um, Page 90, time to say goodbye, time to move ahead, time to let go of the little utopia they'd cocooned themselves in. Yes. I love threes. Anyone who went on Wattpad and read my book probably knows that. I love threes. Time to say goodbye. Time to move Mm -hmm. ahead. Time to let go. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we talked about a lot in this chapter, Cinder has been trying very hard not to do those things. Yeah. She hasn't wanted to let go. She hasn't wanted to say goodbye to her friends or move ahead to the next part of the plan because right now they're all in one place with the exception of Scarlet and they're all safe and happy. And my main problem with that sentence that I just said with this whole chapter 
is that Cinder excludes Charlotte. And I'm not holding this against Cinder. She has a lot going on. But often what I've noticed in this reread is that Cinder will say like, well, we're all here and safe and healthy and happy. And Wolf is like, Scarlet's not. Yeah. And I feel that when she, when she talks about the crew and Scarlet is kind of left hanging in the air. And I'm not really sure if that's like an intentional context that Marissa as a writer was trying to include. Um, But I think it's just a, a constant reminder for me like personally when I'm reading the books of like, yes, most of you are safe and happy and that's great. But Scarlet is sleeping on the concrete ground right now in a cell that she can't even stand up in being fed basically kibble and allowed to pee in a trough. So most of you are safe and happy and healthy, but there is someone who needs your rescuing pretty urgently. I feel like, I feel like it might be an out of sight, out of mind kind of a thing. I think it is for Cinder. I don't think it's intentional. Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's intentional on her part. I think it's like, because there's just so much bad going on, like she wants to focus on the good. And this is like her only good that she has. Yeah, this is the only good that she has. And then Scarlet is that reality that oh, no, we aren't whole. We aren't, we aren't all here. So (laughs) it just makes me sad because sometimes I feel like Wolf is the only one who remembers Scarlet. Mm -hmm. And that might just be a writing technique of like Wolf's whole purpose right now is, is I miss Scarlet. Let's go get Scarlet. And so obviously a lot of the chapter content is going to include that. But I just feel like when they talk about Scarlet, it's only with Wolf in mind and not we need to go rescue Scarlet, if that if that makes sense. But you also have to consider that, like, what characters have that actual connection with her is right. Thorn, Cinder, and Wolf. So, and Thorn and Cinder, yes, they were, like, a crew together for a little while. Like, what, but, three weeks? Yeah, so. Yeah, conceivably, not very long at all. Yeah, conceivably at this point, they've been with Cress longer than they've been with, than they were with Scarlet. So like, again, not, not that I think it was intentional on their parts. No, I think it's, I think it's just like you said, out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. And And a lot has changed since Scarlet was taken. A lot has changed. Exactly. So much has happened in such a short amount of time since they lost her that there's there's just so much and if you have to compartmentalize like unfortunately I feel like that's one thing where I think for them Scarlet is um like oh whose cat is it um Schrodinger's cat like is she alive or is she dead like she's in the box that yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, we really don't know. So maybe not. We, we do have like, a lot of listeners that are only like 13. So I am going to explain the concept of Schrodinger's cat really quick. It's okay. pretty basic. Schrodinger doesn't know if his cat is alive or dead, but it's in an enclosed box. So as long as the box stays closed, the cat is neither alive nor dead. Mm-hmm. Or is That's both like, alive and Or both, both alive dead. and dead. Yeah, so... Uh, it's that concept that because they don't know what happened to Scarlet, they can either 
wallow and say that she's probably dead or they can have hope and and pray that she isn't mm-hmm. yeah i agree and and i don't want to sound like i'm being too harsh against cinder because i'm not i just in these moments when they have like oh well it's like a little utopia i'm like i get that it's a little utopia but mm-hmm. i'm still worried about scarlet yeah definitely yeah this is the novel universe with your hostesses dawn and ashley We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find The Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. So let's talk about chapter 11. I love Cinder... (laughs) (laughs) there's like hiding yep she's like i don't have to say goodbye to anybody if i'm just hiding so i'll just like make myself scarce Mm -hmm. i just love that she's she's hiding out she's working on the pod ship getting it ready for uh thorn so he can take kai back to earth hopefully in one piece Mm -hmm. and she makes a joke about thorn's piloting abilities which is which (laughs) is pretty pretty standard for the crew right (laughs) And Kai says that he wishes she was coming because he's going to miss her. I love your little sad face in the notes. <laughs> Those of you not on Patreon, I feel like that might be the biggest thing you miss out on is my awkward notes where I just constantly have like little emojis or the word <laughs> swoon or. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she still has a little bit of residual PTSD whenever she removes her gloves. Like she has a moment of like, don't take the gloves off. No, Kai doesn't care. I don't care. I can get rid of these gloves when I want to, Um, which I I love because I feel like that's a pretty honest representation of what it's like to have um, anxiety. Like I've, I've been pretty candid about having a, uh, an eating disorder and that's, that's kind of how, uh, recovery is is there's you know someone will make a comment to me about how much I'm eating and so I'll be like and my my brain will be like okay well don't eat anymore and then people can't say that you eat too much and then almost immediately after my brain is like shut up and eat the chili cheese fries it's fine (laughs) um so it's it's kind of like I don't know it just reminded me of 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 going through stuff like that all the time Uh uh-huh yeah no like with the with the, her removing her gloves, like she still feels, she still feels that nervous about it um, because she's not used to other people seeing her, seeing her parts. Um, but for everyone else on the crew, it's become like pretty standard for what, for what like her hand looks like. It's like, that's just a normal hand. That's just, that's just uh, part of Cinder. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. it's, it's something that's completely normal and like they don't, they don't notice it anymore. Kind of like with winter's scars, like Jason never seems to notice them. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say like with um, my husband, he actually has a lazy eye. So like I, don't ever see it like I don't I don't notice it just because like I'm so I'm so used to it 
and um, the <laughs> the environment that my husband works in, like his coworkers would joke with him all the time or whatever. And he told me one time that like his um, coworkers back in California, when he was like driving truck and working in the oil fields, like they would call him crazy eyes. And I was like, crazy eyes. Why? And then he like pointed out his eye. I'm like, Oh, I forgot. Like, it's like, I think, I think the longer you're with someone, you kind of forget what they look like. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like you forget, you forget like what might be eccentricities. Like it's just, right. no, it's just normal. Like that's just Ryan or that's just Cinder. Like she has a metal hand. She has a metal foot. Like, like it's just I have normal. A- I have a scar on my face on the right side of my cheek. It's about an inch long um, from a pair of overalls that I was wearing as a child. They came unhooked and they scratched my face and I had to get stitches. It was so dramatic. Um, Oh my God. But like Quentin doesn't even notice it anymore. And so Mm. I'll make a comment and he's like, right, the scar. But who looks at my face more often than my husband? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, like when you, you when you're with someone all day every day, you don't really notice those little flaws in their appearance anymore because that's not what you're looking at when you see them. No, exactly. Yeah. So. so, Kai is terrified but really homesick, and I love the line about falling for one of his captors. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like I'm going to tell her I've fallen for one of my captors, and the wedding is off. Okay. Okay, Kai. <laughs> yep. It, yeah, no, that, that was super sweet. But then it's back to reality, unfortunately. His, his emperor voice, which I, I love that he has an emperor voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's an innocent victim who was subjected to inhumane treatment and is going to beg her to marry him. And I had to write in my note that it was Lavana, not Cinder. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Though it would be fine with me if he wanted to beg Cinder to marry yeah, him. <laughs> no, he, ha- he, has to beg, he has to beg the uh, predator to marry him. I do want to talk about something really quick. Cinder makes like a joke in her head about how they could just run away to Mars instead. And I want to know if she's being facetious or is Mars like an actual possibility? Can they go live on Mars? Well, I mean, they colonize the moon, so they may have the technology. Like, they would probably be the first ones on Mars, but I don't know that the Rampion could conceivably make it that far. Um, cause I don't, I don't know that, um, isn't Marissa it like, has really explored that. Isn't it like eight or nine months or something to travel to Mars? I don't know. It's a minute. It's been a minute since I watched the Martian. I was thinking of like the challenger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I was just curious if, uh, if, if Mars was an actual possibility or if, if she was just being facetious, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Kai, it says when I, when he comes back, he's going to bring clothing and plating for Aiko and anything else she needs. Oh, my gosh. I just think he's they're so cute in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And he reminds her that no matter what, he's on her side, which I love because when he when she kidnapped him, 
uh, at gunpoint. He was like, whose side are you on? And she said, I'm on my side. And so I just love this whole turnaround of like after the kidnapping, when he's about to return home, he's like, I'm on your side too. I never made that connection. Oh my God. (laughs) It's cute, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. It's just, it's just an example of like how much faith Kai has, has put in her and how much she's managed to convince him. Not that it took much because he was looking for Celine long before he knew it was Cinder, but you know, yeah, still. And Kai apologizes for the ball for saying you're more painful to look at than she is. He says he was an idiot and he feels ashamed at how he treated her. Mm-hmm. And then a sweet little forehead kiss. I love forehead kisses. Well, and she's mm-hmm. like, no, I did this or I did that. And he's like, no, you were the girl who fixed Nancy. You were the girl who warned me about Lavana trying to kill me. You were the girl that wanted to save her sister. And I shouldn't have forgotten that because of one tiny moment. Yeah. Which I agree with, Kai. Don't be so shallow. <laughs> <laughs> Just forget every magical moment that ever happened because for one second, it's like, oh, she's cyborg and lunar. It's like, oh, well, that erases everything. Yeah. But also, like, I get that Kai was going through some stuff at the time. Well, and again, he has that unknown. Was she was she messing with me? Like, Mm -hmm. like, just because. The owner, the only lunars he's had the, uh, or that he knew that he had the um, joy of meeting prior were like Amory and Lavana and Sybil. So, mm, like, I, I wouldn't put it out of outside of the realm of being at least a little bit suspicious. Right. I agree. And, and I mean, Cinder gave him every reason to be suspicious. Mm-hmm. I think especially when we get to the point where she like runs away from prison and kidnaps him and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's pretty suspicious activity, especially for an innocent person. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so Cinder asks if the glamour that she has makes her look like a Lavana and it doesn't, but it makes her look perfect flawless in an unnatural and kind of eerie way yeah like it i feel like it would be just like a photo filter like we have now like instagram filters or snapchat filters like it still looks like you but it's just like smooth and like no blemishes and like it adds the makeup for you so I feel like I feel like that's what she that's what she looked like yeah and I would say the biggest one for me um that I notice I don't always take my picture sometimes it's other people taking my picture right Mm -hmm. um I can always tell when someone uses that filter on my face Mm -hmm. because I have freckles oh yeah and those filters erase freckles yeah so it's, it's usually fairly easy for me to tell if someone has taken that type of photograph of me uh, that would have the, the filter because my, my face won't have a single freckle on it. And that's not a true representation of what I look like in the slightest. 
Yeah. Also, I'm covered in blemishes and have big baggy bags under my eyes. So it's, it's just obvious in general, but yeah, I mean, it's again with, with Cinder, like he was just used to seeing her one way or, and seeing her as real and then seeing her basically with a filter, seeing her with a filter on, I'm sure it was shocking Mm -hmm. and like that, that whole that whole incident was probably a lot for him and then like icing on the cake is oh my god what is going on with her like and it's it slipped out um because he would have had so many riotous emotions going on with him at that moment right um so but i do I do like And that. so many like confusions going on at the moment too, because like he's unaware of a lot of the things that he's being exposed to in that moment. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that Lavana had plans to kill him. He didn't know that uh, Cinder was a cyborg. He didn't know that Cinder was a lunar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a lot. So, so much he didn't know. And then all of it, like being revealed in what a 10 minute, maybe 15 minute span of time. So she comes to the ball and is like, Levana is going to kill you. And he's like, what? And then it's like, she's a show. No, she's a lunar. No, she's a cyborg. Let's shoot her. And then it's like in the, she's in the gardens falling apart. It's like, it's just, it's a lot for both of them. in that little bit of time. so much going on in like a five minute period. Yeah. So Cinder says that it wasn't even intentional, the glamour. The glamour was just an instinct to hide her cybernetics from him, which she feels silly about now. Good. Yeah, no, I put I put a note. Uh, good. We've made progress. <laughs> <laughs> We've made so much progress. And then they kiss. No. And Thorne comes in like, hey, what's up, guys? Time to go. Of course. Let me ruin your magic moment. Of course. But then I give Sky his medallion, and that's just super sweet. And like, I love that scene. He's like, thanks. And then, like, she goes into the <laughs> explanation, and it's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, it's just super, super sweet. He's and one again, of the like, crew, no matter what happens. Exactly. Like, Which I, it goes back to what Kai said to Cinder a few minutes ago of like, he's on her side no matter what happens. Yep. And then <laughs> I, I wrote one of the note down here. I was like, one of us. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like, again, like we've been trying to record this episode for weeks. So I wrote these notes like so I just take your notes and I just like write notes on top of them. Honestly, so, like, if I many- if I were doing this podcast as a guest, that's exactly what I would do. I'd be like, she takes notes, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no. So I just like add in like what I feel like I need to comment on, but it's just mm-hmm. so funny. Like, like normally it would have been like a day or two before, so I would remember that I put this. So like going through it now, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that's so funny. So he puts it on, he tucks it underneath his shirt. Um, he hugs Cress. He hugs Iko. It's time to leave. Iko faints because Kai hugged her. 
<laughs> Which I love. I thought that was such a funny scene. He gives Cinder a hug and a kiss and says goodbye. And then Wolf punches him in the face. Surprise! It's like hug, goodbye, hug, goodbye, kiss, goodbye, hug, goodbye, slam. Yeah, but it's better if you didn't see it coming, is what Wolf tells him. He says, I highly doubt that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I've never been hit in the face like that. But I would say, like, um, I hate shots. Yeah, same. And I hate giving blood. Like, I hate when they take my blood away from me. Not like a, in a anti-donation way. Please donate blood. Just in, like, a I don't like needles kind of way. Because um, they're okay. sharp and pointy and they hurt. And I think that's a legitimate thing to not enjoy. And... <laughs> So, like, they always tell you, like, oh, it's better if you don't see it coming. And I a thousand percent agree. When I had when I had my shoulder surgery, um, they give you this shot that, like, numbs your whole arm, like from your from your neck to your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And they do it with an 11 inch needle inserted into your neck. (laughs) And as soon as I found out, I was like, yeah, I'm going to need like Valium, because if I see that thing coming at me, I'm going to panic. Um, and they were like, yeah, sure. We'll give you volume. It's totally fine. But as it turns out, they can't give me the volume until after I talk to the surgeon, I talked to the surgeon like half an hour before the procedure actually starts. And they give me the shot two hours before the procedure actually starts. So I had to sit there while they shoved this needle in my neck and they legit, I'm not joking around Morgan. They had to hold me down like a three year old. I was not having it. I was so upset and so panicked and like i just and they show you the needle they like explain it and they show you this huge needle that was like the size of my forearm and he's like you'll feel a little pinch and i'm like i'm gonna feel like i'm dying is what's gonna happen because i'm overreactive and dramatic and that thing is the size of my arm no (laughs) i have i have a very very similar needle needle phobia like i can like when i would donate blood like, I could see the blood in the bag. Like, that wasn't my issue. It was seeing the needle or seeing the needle in my arm. I would lose it. Like, they would have to tape a, they would take a freaking paper towel and tape it to my shoulder and tape it to my wrist. So I couldn't see the needle in my arm. Because if I saw that, I would freak, I would freak out. And like, I've, I've been that way, like, I had to be held down multiple times to get shots as a child. And even like, oh, yeah. as an, as an adult still now, like I have high cholesterol, so I have to get my blood drawn, like, and they have to do blood draws on me like every three to six months. So like I tell them every time I'm like, okay, I'm just going to look over here. Like I have to look the other direction and so like I'll just like hold my arm out for them they can do what they need to and then with this whole like adventure that I've been going on this year with doctors in the hospital like when I was in the hospital when I was in the hospital in March like they had an IV in my arm and anytime they mess with the IV like I can't look at it 
So I'm so used to like holding my arm up, (laughs) holding my arm up for them, for them to do whatever she, they need to do. Like I kept like every time she went to touch my, my IV, I'd like turn my head and like, I'd lift my arm. She's like, why are you lifting your arm? Like put your arm down. I was like, I don't know. I don't, (laughs) I don't know why I'm lifting my arm, but like, I just feel like I'm just trying to be helpful, but I ain't looking. (laughs) I just, for me, it's better if I don't see it coming. Like, because you know it's coming, but like it's better if you don't know the exact moment that it's going to happen, I think, is 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 the main giveaway. Um, because, well, and I've also had seizures given blood before just because that's my I that's how my brain reacts. My brain is like something scary. Let's completely shut down. Yeah. So I, I it makes the fear even more so because I'm like, great, I have to get stuck with a needle, which I hate because it hurts and it's uncomfortable and I have the lowest threshold for pain possible. And then on top of that, I might have a seizure and wet myself because that's what happens when you have a seizure. And it's super embarrassing and it never not gets embarrassing. I'm 31. I've had countless seizures. I got diagnosed at 14. Like it's never not embarrassing. That's really unfortunate. It is so luckily Kai doesn't like cry or wet himself or anything he's just like hey that hurt yeah but Cinder says that it's weirdly attractive I get that and she gives him another kiss and I get a little sad here because Thorn is like um Anybody want to give me a kiss? And I was like, yeah, I already got a hug from Kai, so I would die if you kissed me. And I I really wanted Chris to kiss him, but that doesn't happen that way, of course. But I love Cinder of like, um, Wolf's not the only one who could punch you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And like, that just brings me back to Scarlet. Like, I wish she'd use the real, like her human hand, not the cyborg hand. So I, I know because imagine. you should always use the cyborg hand. <laughs> yeah, like I could just imagine like being hit by wolf versus being hit by like a cybernetic hand, like right, a giant metal fist. Yeah, like I feel like both of those would be painful for sure. So. But maybe, like, cinders might have, like, a cooling effect. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like the cold metal. Maybe. <laughs> yep. So, they say goodbye, Aiko. Cress avoids Thorne's gaze when he asks for a kiss. She's, like, obsessed with looking at her fingernails. Mm. So awkward. Um, but they say goodbye and they say good luck. And that is the end of this chapter. Yep. So let's talk about your song choice for this one. Okay. So I do have two songs again. Um, and this one, I don't know that it necessarily goes with this chapter, but it kind of does. But I just felt like if no one had picked this song for a chapter when he's in space like what are you doing um but it's the emperor's new clothes by panic at the disco like (laughs) obviously um so like i feel like it might work better for like the chapters where like he was in the the military garb but i think in this one too like he's getting back into his um like wedding he's back into his wedding outfit so it is 
it is the new clothes that the emperor is wearing. Um, so that that was just why I picked that one. Just obvious reasons. Emperor right. literally having new clothes. Um, <laughs> but then the- I, that like just the title of that song always just makes me think of like Emperor's New Groove. And so like as soon as I read that in the back of my head was like I threw off my groove. Yeah, <laughs> I could I could see that. But that would probably be like Thorn rather than Kai, like getting his grief or thrown off. Like I could definitely see that being something that that Thorn would say. Um, but then uh, my second my second song um, was "Fight" by Tyler Parks and Florida Georgia Line. So this one, like in the song, is I don't want to fight. So I feel like this is a good um, connection for Kai and Cinder. Like they don't, they don't want to fight. Like they like between the two of them, they they don't want to fight and it's time for him to go home. And like, it's, I, I just feel like it's a good song for their relationship. Like at this, at this moment in time, like, they don't they don't want to fight between the two of them like it, it it's time like it's time to make their move love it so i chose friends never say goodbye by elton john which is from the disney film road to el dorado um love that one. i love that movie i know that like as an adult i can recognize that it's potentially problematic, but as a child, it was one of the few films my family actually owned on, on VHS, which was this like, um, VHS for my little young listeners was literally like a ribbon of tape that we used to watch movies. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to damage, super easy to damage. I can't, I can't explain enough how easy it is to damage. Um, so this was one of the few movies that we had as a child and it was one of my favorites and uh, love Elton John love when he does the music for a movie and the lyrics, I think really resonate with everyone sort of sort of saying goodbye to Kai and going down their different paths in this chapter. Um, there isn't much I haven't shared with you along the road and through it all, there'd always be tomorrow's episode. What's done is done has been done for the best, though the mist in my eyes might suggest just a little confusion about what I'll lose. But if I started over, I know I would choose the same joy, the same sadness, every step of the way that fought for me and taught me that friends never say goodbye. No. Mm, So sad. So what was your quote for this one? My quote for this one was, was um, Kai crouched beside her, elbows braced against his knees. I'm going to tell her I've fallen for one of my captors and the wedding is off. And mm-hmm. like, I just think it's so, it's just so cute. Like, they know, they know he can't do that and they know it's not real, but like. You want him, it to be. Yeah, like, he wants it to be, and she wants it to be, and, like, we want, we want that to happen, and, like... In a perfect world. Mm -hmm. In in a perfect world, this would be what, 
what he would really be able to do and I just I just think it's cute and like I love that like Cinder freezes right after he says it like what you can't tell her that (laughs) but also swoon yeah no it's just super it's super sweet so mine was it's to remind you that you're one of us now no matter what happens I love Aiko. Yes. I love this scene with Aiko, too. Like like we said with uh, Kai, I'm on your side. I'm always on your side. And I'll mm-hmm. be with you no matter what. And Aiko is saying the same thing to Kai. Like, you're going back. We're all going back to reality. We all have to face the reality of our situations. But we're kind of all in this together either way. Mm-hmm. Which I guess we could have used that from High School Musical as a song, and I didn't think of it, but oh well. No one would have voted for it anyways. <laughs> Please remember that Prince Kai Fan Pod is a free podcast and always will be. If you'd like to show your support for the show, head over to patreon.com slash princekaifanpod. Patreon allows you to get extra perks and behind-the-scenes bonuses for only $1 a month. If you can't join Patreon but would still like to show your support because you just love the show so much, head over to coffee.com slash princekaipampod. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com slash princekaipampod and leave a one-time only tip. Your support will help me bring you more TLC and Marissa Meyer content that you know and love. Now, let's get back to the episode. So this week, that's the end of this chapter, and this week there were, there was one Easter egg, the bonus word hair appeared three times, gloves twice, and captain once. Next week we're going to cover chapters 12 and 13. Um, well, everybody, like, I know you've been on episodes before, but just in case this is someone's first episode, um, where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? Um... I am on Instagram. It is lovely reading and that's L O V E L E I G H reading. Um, and then you can just follow me there if you'd like to. Um, and if you join in the Patreon, that would be great. Um, so, cause I'm also, I'm also a, a patron. So always love making new friends. Yeah, we have lots of fun in our little group chats on Patreon, which I think are only like 60% about Marissa Meyer. Sometimes it's just random stuff. Like, I think the Discord chat has like a lot. I don't know. I keep adding more channels to it. Yeah. What does it have? I can, I can look this up as the thing. Um, maybe that'd be a good way for people to know what the Discord is like. So there's a regular group chat, one for Instant Karma, Heartless, Reneg- and Renegades. One for book recommendations, one for Easter eggs, one for Among Us, because for a second, everyone was playing that. Yeah. One for crafting, one for writing. uh, There's one for a couple different series like Touch of Gold, Mortal Instruments, Twilight, one for recipes, and one for self-love. Yeah. Which is probably (laughs) my favorite one. Yeah. And and one of the most recent things on there is um, working from home is where it's at. Not having to put pants on is gold. Oh, that was me. Yep. And I love it. I love it. That was me. (laughs) I hate pants. Pants are for people who have to leave the house, which I don't. So. Yeah. 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 No. So that's what you have to look forward to. If you, if you ever join the Patreon, the discord chat is where it's at. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So big thank you for coming as always. Listeners, yes. if you want to support the podcast on Patreon, please do so. It's only a dollar a month. The first fiscal month is free. So if you join right now, you wouldn't have to pay until October. Um, you can check out the Patreon for a chance to be a guest on an episode and more super cool perks like the Discord channel and all of the bonus episodes. Follow on Instagram, rate, review, and subscribe. And check out merch, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, did I say all the things? <laughs> I think <laughs> maybe I, think I need you more coffee. I said all the things. Um, <laughs> keep reading, keep listening. And until next time, don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Winter by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was bookstagrammer Morgan Clark. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.